So it is an absolute joy to be joined by Rach Hughes in sunny Birmingham right now. So Rach, we've been asking a number of friends and family, churches that we track with, the same two questions. The first is based in Matthew 16, where Jesus says to the Pharisees, look, you can look at the sky and you can forecast the weather. Why can't you read the signs of the times? So we're asking people to give their best shot at articulating what you sense the spirit saying to the church and how is it working the wider culture? And then the second question is simply, what are you learning in this moment personally? So let's start with the first one. As you look at culture and what's happening in Birmingham, but nationally, maybe globally, where do you see God at work in all of this? Yeah. Um, first of all, the joy is all mine. Thank you, uh, because it's always nice to see you guys. I think one of the most obvious things to say is that despite the fact that nobody could have predicted that this crisis would have come, nobody was really prepared for it. And I, I personally don't have a theology that would interpret it as being sent from God. It is so clear that God is using this in extraordinary ways, not just within the church, but across, across the world. And the obvious thing is that this crisis has forced the church outside of its four walls. And it's something, isn't it? I mean, we talk, we use that expression all the time. You know, we, we're not just a church within four walls. We, we talk about as a church, our vision is to be light for the city in Birmingham. And we always talk about our strategy for that is to be a church that gathers and scatters. But I'm being a little bit honest here. The amount of resource that we pump into that expression of church, gather, scatter, is unequal. We have emphasised or placed significantly more resource to the, the gathered expression of church. And we've sensed actually the Spirit saying to us that balance needs to be redressed in terms of our, our thinking, in terms of our resourcing. And it is like God has literally pulled the rug under gathered church and said, right, guys, reimagine church right now. And it feels, it's hard to even use the word gift in the context of a crisis, but it does feel like a gift for us as a church to reimagine what it means truly to be the scattered church. And, you know, we're all scrambling about, aren't we, uh, with technology, trying to recreate some semblance of gathered church. And that's really important. Like we know gathering like this online is feeding our sheep and, and it's so important. But if all we do, if all we do in this time is try and recreate gathered church in an, in an inadequate way, we, I feel we are missing what the Spirit is saying because the Spirit is saying, reimagine church outside of its four walls. And for us as a church, that's looked a lot like mission. It's looked like opening our eyes afresh to the need in our city, uh, to the need right now. A, a lot of that has been around food insecurity. So we've been um, distributing f emergency food parcels, as many churches have under this banner, Love Your Neighbour, which has been key. Uh, but I think it's, it's broader than that. Uh, I think it's, it's reimagining evangelism. It's reimagining worship. It's reimagining uh, proclaiming the gospel where we're not so reliant on 
gathering within the four walls. And don't get me wrong, I love Gather Church. And when we gather back again, I am going to hug and kiss every <laughs> single member of our congregation, whether they want me to or not, I'm going to, because there's something. But, you know, I guess that leads me on to the second thing. So the first thing is around just getting the church out of the building, reimagining yeah. Uh, focusing on mission, uh, focusing, putting emphasis and resource into the scattered church. But I think the other thing is around our ability, or maybe that's not the right word, it's around our understanding of how the spirit works. And I, I can't speak for KXC, but certainly I think for Gas Street, we love our gatherings, we love seeing what the spirit does in the context of a gathering. But I wonder if inadvertently we have taught our people to rely too much on the spirit encounter taking place in the gathered time. And, and, and I've said this to our church. If there's one revelation that our church get at this time, it's that, the, that we can encounter the transforming presence of the Holy Spirit in our homes, in our everyday. And I think... I think that could radically transform just our church, that if our people grasped that they could meet with the transforming presence of the Holy Spirit in the morning, in the evening, in the living room, in the toilet, whatever it might be, and, and they, don't, they don't rely so heavily on that Sunday fix, that could be absolutely revolutionary because you're talking about then a, a, a church that is alive, fully alive in the spirit and when you're alive in the spirit anything is possible and in terms of like the encounter in the bedroom in the living room wherever it might be we're talking about Christians in, <laughs> we're talking about Christians encountering God but also non-Christians who are just sort of like tuning in watching it I know you know Gastro you've seen quite a few come to faith in the online services just name some of that yes that i mean again like lots of other churches that's what we've seen that it is the easiest invitation right now what's encouraging is that we've we've managed to create quite a strong invite culture at gas street uh we've tried to make sure that our gathered times together are always through the lens not dictated by but through the lens of somebody that might have walked in for the first time so we've always been quite deliberate around the language that we use um, but still, to invite a friend to come into a brand new place, who, a friend who might have a whole load of preconceptions, misconceptions about what church is like, suddenly a whole bunch of those limitations have now been brought down. And people can, I think I'm stealing this from you, Pete, people can sort of sneak into the back door of church. I love that. Uh, and have a little browse, have a snoop around without anyone knowing they're there. And I think the most encouraging part of that is those misconceptions around church are being brought down. That's one of the greatest frustrations I have, actually, the sort of the evangelist in me. I, just, I can't bear it when I'm sat there having a conversation with someone who is unchurched or perhaps was inoculated against church and faith through their dreadful chapel services as a, ch as a child. You know, I hate that moment where you begin to have the conversation, it turns to faith, they ask what you do, and you just see this sort of this haze this block come across their face of like I know exactly what, you're, what what I'm picturing is this boring place full of boring people talking about boring things and and everything means like no if you could just walk through the door and see that everything that you're imagining just isn't the case suddenly 
people can do that. And so this, this idea that, that hundreds, thousands of people are having those preconceived notions of what church is like, who God is like being brought down, that just massively excites me. And we are seeing people come to faith in Jesus. And of course, you know, again, it's not been said, it's been said before, people are asking those questions, any crisis like this, any crisis, people just ask those big questions, don't they? They, they, They're searching for meaning and depth and something that is beyond this. You know, those control mechanisms that we all lean upon have come tumbling down. The pace of life has slowed enough that we can think more deeply, think more broadly. And it's, it's an exciting time to be proclaiming the name of Jesus. I just love it. And you're way too humble to name it, but in conversations I've had with some of your team, I gather like almost 60, maybe over 60 people have made confessions of faith in this lockdown period, which is incredible. And we should be celebrating, not just people just hearing the gospel, but responding and giving their lives to Jesus. Before we ask you about personally what you're learning as you juggle homeschooling and all these other things, this lockdown, as you say, scattered outside the walls of the church, you've built some amazing relationships in the city with councils, neighbourhood groups, other churches, other faith groups. Just name some of that. Well, one of the wonderful things, again, that's come out of stepping into that missional space in the city, particularly around food insecurity, is that um, it's been so easy to connect with other community groups all over our city. So I'm in this WhatsApp group with about 100, and it's like crazy. It's like, I'm so glad my notifications are turned off because it would be pinging constantly. <laughs> but it's, it's amazing. There is, there is such a sense of camaraderie and goodwill. Sorry, I don't know whether you can hear Simeon. He's, he's, um, I'd love to say that he's doing algebra, but I think he's playing Fortnite, actually, in the background. <laughs> Probably with Ben, quite Speaking honestly. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Um, but, you know, there, there's this amazing sense of goodwill across the city, all these commun- different faith groups. That's what's actually amazing, is a lot of the faith groups are under the radar of the media. It's not the story that's being told. And they're just getting on with serving the most vulnerable in our city right now. And it's humbling to play a part in that. And these are connections that I would never have made had it not been for this crisis. One of the the questions that keeps going around my head is how how will our witness as a church be remembered in this time? You know, we know that this is gonna be written up in the history books. What would break my heart is for the church to be absent in in those historical reports as we look back. And I think, I'm trying not to be too cynical about the media, but I do feel like if our secular media had anything to do with it, there, there wouldn't be a section on how the church played its part because the church is playing its part. And I, I, I would love more of that story to be told somehow. That's amazing. Rach, you're probably one of the most optimistic, faith-filled people I know. So I'm really curious about what you're personally learning at the moment through this time, that most people are feeling contained, um, restricted and I know the way you see through life is you seem to see the best in absolutely everything whether it's people projects God so I'm just curious what are you seeing that's the very best but what are you also personally discovering about yourself in this moment I think Tim's a pessimist and I'm a realist and he would say that that 
he's he's the realist and I'm the optimist. Um, he's probably right. I do I do often see things in that way. I see the opportunity maybe at this time, but I also recognise I don't want that optimism to cover over the fact that this is also a really hard time. And I have I feel like I've been on my own little personal emotional roller coaster. Some days I'm just crying and I'm not really sure why. And I'm sure it's just an outworking of, yeah, all of this. It just has to come out, doesn't it? And that, that's, that's important. I think one of the things has been around prayer. Um, I've always tried to have a, a pretty good rhythm of, of praying and um, quiet times in the morning. And, you know, it took me quite a long time to figure that out to my shame. Don't judge me. But you know, I'd, I'd arrived at that place of, right, this is just a non-negotiable. I have to have that time of connection with God. But I have to say my prayer times have felt different since the lockdown. There's a, um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a more of a vulnerability. I always thought it was pretty vulnerable with God, but uh, just a sitting in his presence and, yeah, finding myself just crying in God's presence and actually his kindness in it. And this is the paradox, theologically, I suppose, of what we're sitting in, is that on the one hand, what we're facing is a national crisis, a national grief, a national displacement. And at the same time, I'm aware of the goodness of God in a way that I haven't felt it in a long, long time. I can't square that up, actually, in my head. So I just have to trust it in my spirit. But I'm so, I feel so aware of the goodness of God that it, it makes me cry quite a lot. Um, and I think it's the nearness, it's his nearness in all of this. I really sense his presence when it's just me and him in my little chair looking out the window. I sense his nearness. So I, I don't, whatever that is, I don't want to lose that when we come out of this. But I, I think it's probably connected to the other thing, which is surprise, surprise, around pace of life and busyness. There are lots of things that we're juggling, you know, kids, homeschool church other stuff but it doesn't feel rushed I don't feel like I'm in the same hurry to use John Mark Comer's phrase I think it's the rush that can distract us from really encountering God's presence from hearing his voice from sitting in his word and I think I feel like often our lives just felt like it was just one rush from one thing to the next just this constant adrenaline buzz and I don't want that. I don't want to go back to that. So you can hold me to account, guys. I don't want us to go back to that. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't have the solution in a practical sense, but I want the, the space to be able to really sit and hear God and, and to enjoy the relationships right in front of me with Tim and the kids and, and others. Rachel, you are amazing and we are so grateful that you'd carve out time to share some of your thoughts. Absolutely profound. And sending huge love to Tim, the family and those at Gastry. Oh, God thank bless. You.